Arrival of the Ancient Ones Many ages ago, powerful beings were forced to flee their world because the magic there sustaining them was being pushed out as it was considered the art of evil. And so they made a safe haven in a then dead world. United there, they made a decision to bring the world to life using magic and magic alone. The continents were given life, and as the world flourished, the beings created many races after their own wishes and memories from their home. This time, these races would live and prosper with magic, not against it. With the knowledge and guidance of these beings, kingdoms formed and cities arose, but just as in the old world, war and conflict slowly disrupted the order. So the world's creators came together for what is now known as the High Gathering, where they agreed upon a change. From now on, they would watch from a distance with minimal interference. With their combined powers, they created a force known as the Balance. It had its own existence, although it was not living and conscious as its creators were. The Balance has since been a central force of the world. It is neither good nor evil, sees neither right nor wrong, it simply keeps everything in balance. It might make heroes rise to stop world-shattering events, or give opportunities to tyrants who disrupt global unity. For all forces must exist in balance, light and dark. Never seen but known by all, it has kept the world and kingdoms peaceful for a long time. The Gift from a Stranger The sun was slowly rising on the horizon when the first shouts from merchants rose to the sky and the market in the ancient city of Oran came to life. People were unpacking their wares and preparing for another day, and a few early customers were arriving. The city was older than memory, and no documents had ever been found to tell about its origin. Built in a massive oasis in the middle of the Nadurian desert, it had been home to powerful merchant families for the last 200 years. Markon's script reader adjusted his scarf, making sure the emblem was visible. The design was in the form of an eye in a blue circle, horizontally split like a mirror. The purple iris and black pupils looked solid on the upper part and fluid on the lower part. This represented the Hidden Magic Guild. Markon was in his mid-fifties, with a short beard and thin hair that had turned grey. Years of studying old tomes made his thin figure appear fragile. He had been here many times, searching for artifacts and books. He was aware the merchants would know by his emblem what kind of objects he might be looking for. 
This better save me time to find something of interest before it gets too warm, he thought, and scrubbed off the sweat gathering on his forehead. His silken clothes should have been comfortable, but the years of study with little movement were paying their price. He glanced behind him. Two young men he had hired as carriers were walking with ease, awaiting his instructions. He gave them a friendly smile and said, I'm sorry for getting you up this early, Alvar and Zeko. There will probably be a lot of heavy carrying today. Please let me know if you get tired. They looked back at him, amused. Lord Markon, thank you for your concern, but you pay us well to work for you. This is what we do. There is no need for you to apologize to us each day. The taller man, Zeko, replied. Markon nodded. Of course, I just... He took a deep breath. Well, let us get started, he said, and turned around, switching his focus to all the things he was intending to acquire. It would still be a lot for them to carry, he reminded himself. Soon Markon noticed a market stall, connected to part of a larger building, covered with tomes and scrolls. It had attracted quite a crowd already. This could hold some of the old texts I've been looking for, he said to himself, clapping his hands together with a smile. For a brief moment, the heat did not bother him as much. A flag outside the market stall carried a blue symbol of a parchment and the text Orin's Truths. Markon looked back at Alvar and Seko. You two wait here while I look at what they have to offer. Give me an hour or two. The two men bowed and sat down. He gave them a smile, then took a step inside the stand and into the building itself, away from most people. Blue cloths surrounded the interior, making it cooler as he walked away from the sun. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath through his nose. The familiar smell of old paper and ink entered his nostrils. He opened his eyes and looked at an index written on a parchment near a bookshelf where he was standing to see if anything caught his interest. As he read it, he could sense someone approaching him. He looked over his left shoulder, and there a figure walked up next to him. He was a handsome young man with combed back black hair and a short, well-groomed beard. He had dark skin and clear green eyes. Markon thought the stranger's eyes reflected an intense intellect. The man held up an object wrapped in a dark purple cloth and handed it to Markon. The stranger said confidently, A gift to you, my lord. This is something you've been wanting for a very long time. Markon took a step back. And who are you, if I might ask? he said, while removing the cloth to reveal a small chest. He looked up at the stranger, who stayed silent. With a sceptical frown, he made a gesture. Light blue energy left his palm and reached the chest, opening it from a distance as Markon carefully peeked inside. He felt as if his heart was about to stop. The stranger now had a confident smile on his lips. As I said, my lord, it's a gift you've been wanting for a long time. Now it's yours. The object in the chest was a diamond the size of an apple. It was partly transparent and softly shaped like a rock formed by water for millennia. 
Markon looked back at the stranger with wide eyes. This is a diamond of worlds. I can't describe how rare it is. Why would... Markon stopped. He gave the man a suspicious look, then moved his hand in a pattern over the object. A thin line of light appeared, following his fingers. He placed his hands over the object and closed his eyes. A few moments passed before Markon opened his eyes wide as the identification spell confirmed it. It really is a diamond of worlds. I'm speechless. The stranger bowed. This is a gift from me to you. Use it well. He put the chest in Markon's hands, turned around and walked out. Markon called after him. Who are you? Why did you? The stranger had already left. Markon closed the chest and wrapped it in the purple cloth again, then walked out of Oren's truths up to Alvar and Zeko. Licking his lips and taking a few breaths, he realized his heart was racing. His mind swirled with thoughts of what doors this opened for him. Alvar and Zeko were looking at him with a mix of confusion and concern as he was grasping the chest tightly. I will pay you double to help me get a caravan ready today. I need to head back to Oaken Fields and to Medjin as soon as possible. The Meeting of Three The room was illuminated by a purplish-blue light emanating from crystals held up by elegant chandeliers on the ceiling. The room's stone walls appeared to have been hewn straight from the mountain. In the middle were four impressive stone armchairs and a round granite table, thick and with a perfectly flat surface. Magical runes of protection were carved into the floor. This was a room of secrets that should remain secret. With a scraping sound, part of the wall shifted to reveal a door and three robed figures walked in. The first was Archmage Moriel Oathbound, who had an athletic build and short combed back blonde hair. He appeared to be in his thirties. His true age was unknown, but estimated to be at least 300 years. His dark purple eyes and his clean shaven and serious face gave him an almost unsettling aura of authority. The second mage was Amelia Truthseeker. She looked to be in her late twenties, but was actually seventy-five, with dark grey hair in a long ponytail hanging behind her. Even with her loose robe, her shapely body could be discerned, and her appearance was almost unnaturally beautiful. She observed the room with intent with her bright purple eyes. After her came another man, Sarek Swordbender. He appeared to be in his forties, but was 110 years old. His neat black hair reached down to his jawbone. He had a slender physique, and his almond-shaped purple eyes, along with his black goatee, gave him a confident appearance that was reflected in his walk. Moriel turned with determination towards Amelia and Sarek. Tell me what you have to report thus far. He sat down in the armchair, placed his elbows on the table, 
and faced Amelia with an expression as if carved from stone. Amelia and Sarek sat down, exchanging looks of agreement. Amelia said, Archmage Moriel, thank you for meeting us on such short notice. Markon script reader, a mage of our guild, is known for immersing himself in endless texts and scripts, and being both practical and sceptical of all things he learns. She paused and let her eyes wander between Moriel and Sarek before continuing. He contacted me, claiming he had been given a diamond of worlds, and he cut short his journey to Orin to return home with this gift. I was of course sceptical that he really had such a rare and powerful item, yet he was so convinced that I met him in Oaken Fields to verify his claim. Her eyes lit up and intensified with the recollection. I met him as his caravan arrived in the village, and he became very nervous when he saw me. When I asked him to show me the item, he started rambling about how it had turned into a cup of water while he was in the desert. She laughed lightly before continuing. At first I was irritated by this nonsense and asked him to show me this cup. He rushed over to a chest while swearing to me that it was all true. He turned very silent as he opened the chest. I walked over and saw that in the chest was an oil painting depicting a stranger giving Markon a diamond of worlds. The painting illustrated him decisively, almost as if it were proving that it was the real deal. Amelia leaned back on her chair with a frown of concentration between her eyes. Now, I knew this was even more intriguing than the rare Diamond of Worlds, but I did not notice the side effects until we got back to Hecatalum and Markon became obsessed with this artifact. Then I asked Sarek here for help, based on his expertise on artifact magic. Sarek leaned in and smiled brightly, gesturing as he spoke. Amelia did the right thing. We set up an experiment with one of my best mages, Urius Magic Keeper. He specializes in sealing or removing magic from artifacts by understanding their structure. He's also known for staying calm and thinking strategically. Sarek raised his shoulders and widened his arms. I admit, we were overconfident, and our aim backfired. He paused and hovered one hand slowly right above the table's surface. He brought it into his study, and when I received his first report, it stated that the oil painting had turned into the Vault of Infinity. Yes, the real deal. He verified it using an identification spell and comparing it with the old descriptions. Of course, Urius knew better than to get too excited, so he covered the vault in a ceiling cloth and collected his thoughts until the next day. His report explained that he believed that this artifact adjusted after a person's wishes, so he would try to focus on wanting a powerful soul gem the next day. Sarek leaned back in his armchair and smiled, moving his thumb and index finger along his goatee. What he reported next was interesting, to say the least. He was focusing on his desire of a soul gem, but when he removed the cloth, there were his morning sandals that he had misplaced. His morning sandals? Moriel wondered. 
Sarek slammed his hands into the stone table with a laugh, replying, I know, I had to read the report twice. It would have been almost comical if it had stayed that way. We know Markon had become obsessed with this artifact. The fact that Urius had kept his control this far was promising, yet this is where the turn of events started to humorously bother me. I was informed he had sent servants to search for his sandals while he put on these exact copies to see if there was any effect. Sarak moved his eyes to Amelia, who gave him a nod. He appeared to hold back a laugh as he thought back to the moment. You know me, Moriel. I was laughing as I walked to Urius's study. I even had a pair of new sandals with me to give him an extra pair, you know. But I was not met by the same old, calm and collected Urius. He paused. Moriel leaned in on his elbows with his fists locked together while his eyes pierced Sarex. When I walked into the room waving the new sandals, Urius was deep in an old tome mumbling to himself. His face was covered in sweat and he was more focused than I'd ever seen him. Sarek said, his smile slowly fading into concern. I asked him what happened and he only muttered that he needed to understand, to find and to discover it. I asked him where the artifact was, and he held up an old parchment saying it had turned into a map, marking the long-gone Dragonlord's vault. Moriel, he said those words as if they meant nothing. It would have been the highlight of his life to find that vault, but now he acted very like Markon did when he got back to the capital, obsessed with this artifact. So I had two of your battle mages escort Urius away and sealed the artifact in the chest we transported it in. Then I told Amelia how my experiment had gone. We agreed to seek your counsel on how to act, as this could be a risky dealing. Moriel listened as he gazed into nothingness, his face unceasingly serious as always. Without breaking his stare, he lifted his hand. A small bluish orb appeared and started to swirl around his fingers as he seemed sunk deep in thought. Amelia moved her head gently to the side and studied Moriel, thinking to herself, He never breaks and never lowers his guard. I don't even know how old he is. She leaned back in her armchair and lowered her head. Moriel closed his fist and the orb faded as he stood up. He eyed Sarek and Amelia as he said, Archmage Amelia Truthseeker, you will organize this artifact to be taken to the Elven Court for safekeeping. We know the Elves are more resistant to magical affliction. Choose one of your most trusted mages to complete this task with discretion. He gestured towards Sarek and continued, Archmage Sarek Swordbender, Make sure this stays silent and between us, the Elven Court, and Amelia's chosen mage. We can't have the knowledge that two mages were affected by this artifact spread among the guilds. I will find out what it is and where it came from. Without awaiting their response, he walked towards the door. It opened again with a scraping sound. May magic flow through you he said, and gave them both a last look before leaving the room. 
Sarak looked at Amelia and smiled brightly, gesturing towards the door Moriel had left through. As direct and efficient as always. I think it will be fairly easy to keep this between us, but I am curious, who will you send, Amelia? And what will you tell them about the artifact? Amelia replied calmly, I will send one of my most trusted young mages, Scylla Farsight. I will tell her what she needs to know. She has a good balance between passion for exploring new horizons and understanding the importance of a given task. Sarek's smile widened. Hmm? You should introduce us. Amelia laughed and stood up. All you need to be happy, Sarak, is a mirror. Sarak laughed with her as they both left the room. <laughs>